Good day, it's April 8th, and this is the One Year Bible Tour Guide podcast. My name is David McAdam, pastor and Bible teacher here in Concord, Massachusetts, and I count it a privilege to be reading the Bible through from cover to cover with you as a yearly goal. We are using the One Year Bible format, and you can purchase the One Year Bible at any bookstore, and you can also read it for free if you go online to the oneyearbibleonline.com website. This year we are reading from the ESV, the English Standard Version. Many have told me that it helps to have a reading partner when you tackle a 66-book marathon like this, as the Bible is not only a book, it is a book of books. I see it as the book of books, as it is God's eternal word. Jesus said, heaven and earth will pass away, but my word shall never pass away. So let's prayerfully lay hold of the eternal relevance of God's self-revelation in his holy word by continuing our journey together. Let's pick up where we left off yesterday. We are in the book of Deuteronomy. Moses has been commanded to codify a warning to the future generation by writing a song. This song is a particularly sad song as it predicts the failure of the children of Israel to walk in God's ways. It accurately describes the incurable deceitfulness of the human heart. So let's begin midstream in Moses' sad song, Deuteronomy chapter 32, verse 28. For they are a nation void of counsel, and there is no understanding in them. If they were wise, they would understand this. They would discern their latter end. How could one have chased a thousand, and two have put ten thousand to flight, unless their rock had sold them, and the Lord had given them up? For their rock is not as our rock. Our enemies are by themselves. For their vine comes from the vine of Sodom, and from the fields of Gomorrah, their grapes are grapes of poison, their clusters are bitter, their wine is the poison of serpents and the cruel venom of asps. Is not this laid up in store with me, sealed up in my treasuries? Vengeance is mine, and recompense, for the time when their foot shall slip, for the day of their calamity is at hand, and their doom comes swiftly. For the Lord will vindicate his people, and have compassion on his servants, when he sees that their power is gone, and there is none remaining, bond or free. Then he will say, Where are their gods, the rock in which they took refuge, who ate the fat of their sacrifices, and drank the wine of their drink offering? Let them rise up and help you. Let them be your protection. See now that I, even I, am he, and there is no God beside me. I kill and I make alive, I wound and I heal, and there is none that can deliver out of my hand. For I lift up my hand to heaven and swear, as I live forever, if I sharpen my flashing sword and my hand takes hold on judgment, I will take vengeance on my adversaries and will repay those who hate me. I will make my arrows drunk with blood and my sword shall devour flesh. With the blood of the slain and the captives, from the long-haired heads of the enemy. Rejoice with him, O heavens, bow down to him, all gods, for he avenges the blood of his children and takes vengeance on his adversaries. He repays those who hate him and cleanses his people's land. Moses came and recited all the words of this song in the hearing of the people, he and Joshua the son of Nun. And when Moses had finished speaking all these words to all Israel, 
he said to them, Take to heart all the words by which I am warning you today, that you may command them to your children, that they may be careful to do all the words of this law. For it is no empty word for you, but your very life. And by this word you shall live long in the land that you are going over the Jordan to possess. That very day the Lord spoke to Moses, Go up this mountain of the Abarim, Mount Nebo, which is in the land of Moab, opposite Jericho, and view the land of Canaan, which I am giving to the people of Israel for a possession, and die on the mountain which you go up, and be gathered to your people, as Aaron your brother died in Mount Hor and was gathered to his people, because you broke faith with me in the midst of the people of Israel at the waters of Meribah Kadesh, in the wilderness of Zin, and because you did not treat me as holy in the midst of the people of Israel. For you shall see the land before you, but you shall not go there into the land that I am giving to the people of Israel. And this concludes our reading from the Old Testament book of Deuteronomy today. Let's take a few moments to reflect upon what we have just read of Moses' sad song. Some songs stick with us for a lifetime. When we hear them, they can rouse foundational convictions, stir up youthful silliness, or trigger the memory of a particular person or place in our past history. They can subtly persuade us to vocalize a philosophy that we do not truly believe. They can guide us to ways that are true or false. We hear just a hint of a familiar melody from our school days, and our brain will boot up an old recording, and we will find that the song is being played repeatedly in our heads throughout the day, complete with lyrics. Moses was told to put a strong prophetic warning to Israel in the form of a song. Moses would be gone, but his prophetic voice would continue to be heard. The Lord wanted the new generations to know the truth. They would one day turn from their covenant loyalty to God and suffer the consequences. They might think, how could this happen to us? They were the new generation. They could rise to any challenge. We've experienced the dealings of the Lord firsthand. We are the generation that has learned lessons from the past, and we are the ones to take the land. Once they settled down and had become prosperous, however, the deceptions would come. They would slowly turn away from the true God to worthless idols. Moses was to write and teach them this sad song recorded in Deuteronomy chapter 32, that they might recognize the deceitfulness of Canaan's counterfeit gods and return to faith in the sovereign Lord of Israel as soon as they had the opportunity. The song reminds us that false gods leave us disillusioned, bankrupt, and miserable. God promised to deal with His people, and He would do so out of love. What does the song call for? Repentance and a renewed vision of God as the Sovereign Lord. Deuteronomy 32, verse 39 reads, See now that I, I am He, and there is no God besides me. It is I who put to death and give life. I have wounded, and it is I who heal, and there is no one who can deliver from my hand. The children of Israel were to receive this word as their means of salvation. They were to believe it. This instruction points to the living word, the new Torah, Yeshua, whose name means salvation. This greater Joshua will bring us into what God has promised of a greater inheritance than that of Canaan. He brings us into the gift of forgiveness of sins, the inheritance of eternal life, and participation in His righteous rule throughout the ages. For it is not an idle word for you. Indeed, it is your life. 
and by this word you will prolong your days in the land which you are about to cross the Jordan to possess. Deuteronomy 32, verse 47. Next we read about the death of Moses. Moses was told that the time had come for him to die. He was to go up to the top of Mount Nebo, where he would be able to look out at the promised land of Canaan. Whereas Aaron climbed Mount Hor, that is Mount Sinai, where the law had been given and died there to be gathered to his people, Moses would climb Mount Nebo overlooking the Jordan Valley, the threshold of promise, and see the promised land. The purpose of the law is to bring the diagnosis, the commands of God revealing the sinfulness of our hearts. But the law also points out the cure, the tabernacle, where God comes to dwell among us, to put away our sin and reconcile us to His holy presence in the holiest of all, Jesus Christ. Moses represents the law. He can point to the righteousness that God requires, but he does not have the power to bring us there. He can point to the promised land, but he cannot enter it. The promise is to be received as a gift by the means of another. For you shall see the land at a distance, but you shall not go there into the land which I am giving the sons of Israel. Now let's turn to the New Testament reading in the Gospel of Luke, chapter 12, beginning with verse 35 through to verse 59. It starts with a lesson for us all. You must be ready. Verse 35. Stay dressed for action and keep your lamps burning, and be like men who are waiting for their master to come home from the wedding feast, so that you may open the door to him at once when he comes and knocks. Blessed are those servants whom the master finds awake when he comes. Truly, I say to you, He will dress himself for service and have them recline at table, and he will come and serve them. If he comes in the second watch or in the third and finds them awake, blessed are those servants. But know this, that if the master of the house had known at what hour the thief was coming, he would not have left his house to be broken into. You also must be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. Peter said, Lord, are you telling this parable for us or for all. And the Lord said, Who then is the faithful and wise manager, whom his master will set over his household to give them their portion of food at the proper time? Blessed is that servant whom the master will find so doing when he comes. Truly I say to you, he will set him over all his possessions. But if that servant says to himself, My master is delayed in coming, and begins to beat the male and female servants, and to eat and to drink and get drunk, the master of that servant will come on a day when he does not expect him, and at an hour he does not know, and will cut him in pieces and put him with the unfaithful. And that servant, who knew his master's will but did not get ready or act according to his will, will receive a severe beating. But the one who did not know, and did what deserved a beating, will receive a light beating. Everyone to whom much was given, of him much will be required, and from him to whom they entrusted much, they will demand the more. I came to cast fire on the earth, and would that it were already kindled. I have a baptism to be baptized with, and how great is my distress until it is accomplished. Do you think that I have come to give peace on earth? No, I tell you, but rather division." For from now on in one house there will be five divided, three against two and two against three. They will be divided, father against son and son against father, 
mother against daughter and daughter against mother, mother-in-law against her daughter-in-law and daughter-in-law against mother-in-law. He also said to the crowds, When you see a cloud rising in the west, you say at once, A shower is coming. And so it happens. And when you see the south wind blowing, you say, There will be scorching heat, and it happens. You hypocrites, you know how to interpret the appearance of earth and sky. But why do you not know how to interpret the present time? And why do you not judge for yourselves what is right? As you go with your accuser before the magistrate, make an effort to settle with him on the way, lest he drag you to the judge, and the judge hand you over to the officer, and the officer put you in prison. I tell you, you will never get out until you have paid the very last penny. And this is the end of our reading from the New Testament, Gospel of Luke. Jesus is giving several parables reminding us to live each day as if it could be our last. We need to be prepared to meet Him. We will meet Him when we go to Him in death or when He returns to earth. He calls us to be ready, watchful, faithful, wise stewards, and generous ministers. We heard these parables before when reading the Gospel of Matthew in Matthew 24 and 25 when Jesus was on the Mount of Olives teaching of His second coming. Jesus is teaching that his followers must live in the light of an appointed day of reckoning that awaits us in the future. Hebrews chapter 9 verse 27 teaches us, And inasmuch as it is appointed for men to die once, and after this comes judgment, so Christ also, having been offered once to bear the sins of many, will appear a second time for salvation, without reference to sin, to those who eagerly await him. In his first coming, Jesus came to take away sins. In His second coming, He will take away saints. That is, He will be gathering believers to serve with Him in His kingdom, either with rewards or having suffered loss through neglecting fellowship in His grace. Those believers who suffer loss will be saved as by fire. In 1 Corinthians 3, verse 15, those who are false believers suffer a worse fate. So we're reminded, be ready. The first picture is one of servants ready to receive their master when he comes home from a wedding feast and knocks on the door seeking entrance to his home. He will surprise and bless those servants who greet his arrival, even in the midst of the night, by having them recline at the table, and he will dine with them and serve them. Luke chapter 12, verse 37. Jesus continually demonstrates his unsurpassed humility, even in his kingdom, as the one among us who serves. For who is greater, the one who reclines at the table or the one who serves? Is it not the one who reclines at the table? But I am among you as the one who serves. Luke chapter 22 verse 27. Next we're reminded to be watchful. Whereas the first picture is one of our being ready to answer the door when he knocks, the second is a matter of our not being watchful when he breaks in like a thief. This parable emphasizes that His coming will be sudden and unexpected. Next, we're reminded to be faithful. Jesus then speaks of the faithful and wise manager who has been appointed to give a portion of food at the proper time. He is consistent and reliable. He will be blessed by His Master by being given responsibilities over all His possessions. This person lives each day with such excellence that he would be pleased if His Master would come that day. Next, we're reminded to be responsible. Jesus contrasts this faithful and wise manager with one who lives for himself rather than to please his master. 
He is cruel and unjust towards others, and self-indulgent in his practices. He is punished rather than rewarded when his master comes. Jesus dramatically illustrates him being cut up and assigned a place with the unbelievers. See Matthew chapter 24, verse 51, and Luke chapter 13, verses 27 to 28. These metaphors for judgment indicate the eternal punishment and separation from God that awaits the one who has so dishonored his master. Next, we're reminded to be obedient. The fourth picture, that is in verse 47, is that of a slave who knew the master's will but did not get ready or act in accordance with his will. Next, we're reminded to be generous with what he has given, to be good stewards. When you are given the knowledge of the will of God, you are required to do it. When we are given material blessings, we are to ask our master how he would have us use them in his service. For every one who has been given much, much will be required. And to whom they entrusted much, of him they will ask all the more. Next, we're reminded to be ready to count the cost, to sacrifice. It costs something to be ready, watchful, faithful, reliable, and to be a good steward. It costs you your reputation, for these values are countercultural. Jesus speaks of division being caused on account of himself. If we are faithful to his word, diligent in doing his will, we must be ready for opposition. Jesus knew that the will of God involved suffering. His suffering would involve a baptism in which he would taste the cup of God's wrath against sin. He would suffer at the hands of men and God. Yet he would remain faithful. Let us draw strength by looking to him, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him who has endured such hostility by sinners against himself, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Hebrews chapter 12, verses 2 and 3. Now let's go to today's reading from the book of Psalms. We're in Psalm 78, again midstream, as the psalmist is recounting the history of the children of Israel. Psalm 78, verses 56 through 64. Verse 56. Yet they tested and rebelled against the Most High God, and did not keep His testimonies, but turned away and acted treacherously like their fathers. They twisted like a deceitful bow, for they provoked Him to anger with their high places. They moved Him to jealousy with their idols. When God heard, He was full of wrath, and He utterly rejected Israel. He forsook His dwelling at Shiloh, the tent where He dwelt among mankind and delivered his power to captivity, his glory to the hand of the foe. He gave his people over to the sword and vented his wrath on his heritage. Fire devoured their young men, and their young women had no marriage song. Their priests fell by the sword, and their widows made no lamentation. This concludes today's portion from the book of Psalms. So we have had two sad songs today, reminding us of human failure. But in judgment, God remembers mercy. And we read these songs with that mercy in view, which we find in the face of Jesus Christ. The psalmist is recounting the history of Israel and their relationship to God. When he describes how they have turned aside to other gods, he likens them to a treacherous bow in archery, sending the arrow's trajectory away from the intended target. Verse 56 they yet tempted and rebelled against the Most High God and did not keep His testimonies, 
but turned back and acted treacherously like their fathers. They turned aside like a treacherous bow. What kind of instrument are you? Let's think about this. The archer's bow that was once considered reliable has become useless. When the heart is turned aside, the trajectory of every arrow will miss its God-glorifying target. Lord, help us to guard our hearts diligently so they are not turned aside from serving you faithfully. Make us doers of your word and not hearers only. And now let's go to the book of Proverbs, where a proverb a day keeps foolishness away. Today we're reading Proverbs chapter 12, verse 24, another trustworthy saying, The hand of the diligent will rule, while the slothful will be put to forced labor. What you do today will affect your future. Act diligently or you will be acted upon. Now let's pray together. O Lord, you are the author and the finisher of our faith. You not only point to your promise through the law, you give us the promise in your Son. Thank you for Jesus. He truly is the crown of the Torah, the bread of life. We have an unforgettable song to sing. We will sing of the Lamb's victory over sin and death and your mercies towards us forever. May we never turn aside from centering our lives on you. In Jesus' name we ask it. Amen. Well, we hope that you've been encouraged by today's journey through the Bible and that you'll be returning tomorrow as we continue with the next leg of that journey in the book of Deuteronomy and the Gospel of Luke. And if you have any questions or comments, we'd love to hear from you. You can do that through your podcast server or or by contacting us on email at podcast at newlife.org. If you would like to know more about New Life, you can go to our website, newlife.org, and you can learn more about the ministries of New Life Community Church and New Life Fine Arts with its musical theater productions and a lot of other good resources. God bless you and have a great day.